the fuck up the podcast that mingles mindfulness buddhism brain science evolutionary biology and real authentic human experience welcome to wake the fuck up hello and welcome back to the wake the fuck up podcast my name is tiffany andres myers and i am still your host and this week is definitely going to be an interesting episode, or at least I hope. It's an episode of returning, of openness and honesty and vulnerability, because uh, for those of you that have been following the podcast, you obviously know that there's been a pretty big gap since the last episode and this one. And I really want to talk authentically about why that gap was there. Um, and so this episode is really about mental health, um, self-care, and uh, the human experience, which I feel like I've unfortunately come to learn that even though I thought before these last few months that I'd learned over the years to embrace my humanity, um, these last few months have been humbling and quite a beautiful reminder of what it really means to be human. Um, and so here we are. So in, I guess, just jumping right into the deep end, uh, I want to share with all of you that the break in the podcast really came from me experiencing what I might conceptualize as my first um, real bout with depression. Um, and this started probably three or four months ago as my life really started to change in kind of unexpected ways. And, um, you know, it took me a really long time to recognize that the changes I was experiencing were not just um, affecting my day-to-day -day life and I wasn't just learning and growing through them. Um, but what I didn't realize is that slowly over time, my mind became really full of anxiousness and worry. And rather than growing with the changes, uh, what I think ultimately was happening was I was trying to find new and novel ways to control the changes that were happening in my life or in a certain way, not, not control the changes, but control the outcome of those changes. And, you know, this is a really interesting experience because in the midst of it, I could obviously see and feel um, that I was in pain, that I was suffering. I really appreciate kind of the Buddhist use of the term suffering because I think it encompasses all our ideas and concepts for what hurting, sadness, anger, lack of control, not knowing, kind of this myriad experiences that come with, you know, just different moments in life. And, and so I'm going to use the word suffering probably quite a lot. Um, and I just mean it in intentionally to encompass the full range and spectrum of emotional experiences that come, um, in unexpected ways. Um, so as I found myself in the midst of these changes, what I really didn't see happening slowly over time was how much my mind was becoming full of worry. 
and uh, I want to be open and readily admit that as I sit here with you, kind of uh, a guide, if you will, through uh, the mindfulness arena, that my own personal meditation practice uh, kind of waxed and waned over the course of these months as well. And, you know, I've had friends and um, people that are quite close to me that have played with meditation here and there. And I've heard them say at certain times um, when life gets really hard that their mind became not a safe place to be. And in openness, I never really understood this conversation because when my life was good or maybe like hard for a moment or a few moments, you know, sitting, I was able to sit with the difficulties in my mind. I was able to sit with the anxieties that were coming up. Um, but as I imagine a lot of us have experienced with the pandemic, um, with loss of jobs, with changes in life experiences, like I have so many friends that have had babies and children over the last six to eight months. Um, you know, the, there are these major life changes really happening for all of us that um, my personal practice became really hard to be with. Uh, I found myself doing a lot of guided meditations, which was helpful and supportive, and yet at the same time, only doing guided meditation, listening to a voice other than the voice in my head, what I later realized didn't really create the space for me to see and understand how full my head was all the time. So again, in, in full openness, uh, about three or four months into this experience of depression, I really hit a threshold where one day I finally looked at my wife and I said, I need help. Um, and what that looked like was a bit uncertain. Um, but being a long-time deep meditator and practitioner, the first place that I knew I should go to at least try uh, was on a meditation retreat. And due to COVID, uh, I hadn't been in almost a year and a half. For anybody that's ever considering retreat, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, if you've never been, I imagine that the idea of going and being quiet for some extended period of time for sitting in meditation for long periods is probably really scary. Um, but there's something absolutely indescribable about shifts that can happen as we really let go of our conditioned ways of being in the world. And especially... The idea of sitting for long periods and being quiet in our normal day-to-day -day life absolutely really wouldn't work, you know. Um, there's something so different about removing ourselves from the constant stimulation of what we're surrounded by day-to-day. -day. There's something about removing ourselves from the constant kind of pokes and prods that we experience just being alive and living in society, you know, from things as silly as needing to clean the house or getting cut off in traffic or frustrated work emails, you know, whatever it is, we really all experience these subtle pokes, prods, bumps, nicks uh, all the time. And so being in normal day-to-day -day life, it takes a lot of energy just to keep ourselves stable and peaceful and open. 
Whereas being on retreat, you know, the intention is we go to some place where we're surrounded by natural beauty, where the amount of stimulation is dramatically decreased, and the things that we have to deal with just to be okay are definitely lowered as well. So that was a little foray into my, uh, I highly encourage you all to explore the idea of going on a meditation retreat. Um, but that was ultimately what I decided to do. And for those of you that have listened to the podcast before, you know that my journey with meditation and mindfulness started um, about 10 years ago when I went to a monastery in upstate New York. Um, and so essentially when I realized that I needed this help, I decided to go home and, and home for me is there. So I took a plane um, through... <laughs> Some terrible travel experiences. I had a full-fledged panic attack um, in the middle of the Detroit airport. So if by chance whatever uh, beautiful woman sat behind the counter and had to watch me uh, experience my panic attack because I missed my flight, thank you for being patient and kind. Um, and uh, I spent a week at the monastery, my home monastery in upstate New York. And, you know, you guys, it was about three days uh, before the shift in my experience happened. And I think I really want to share this because with an overwhelming gratitude in my heart, and as I say that, it's really kind of vibrating and consuming the fullness of my whole body and being. Um, I want to honor and acknowledge that I did not and could not see the sources of my suffering uh, before I stepped away. You know, I could see the things that my mind was identifying as problems or sources of fear. I was doing my best to really work with the fears that were coming up, to tell myself about the possibility of different stories. But what I really didn't realize was that my mind had become full of worry and anxiety and fear just about every minute of the day. And so it took about three days of being at the monastery before I saw with clarity what had ha become of and happened to my mind. The first couple days, I think, was allowing myself to accept the fears and the perceptions that I had built over the last few months because really in essence there's an energy sometimes of working with fear that is at least for me in this experience um, trying to ignore it or trying to disregard it or trying to convince ourselves or myself in this instance that what I was seeing feeling and perceiving was not real um and you know, the interesting thing is that ultimately I was right. <laughs> it wasn't real. Uh, but by not allowing myself to really feel the fear and to accept the perceptions that I had, essentially I think I was constantly fighting myself. And so it was day three um, when I called my wife and had a conversation with her where she expressed an immense sadness um, at her own feeling unseen through my suffering, uh, that 
I think for the first time in those number of months, um, my heart was just struck with an arrow. You know, I felt this upwelling of sadness and pain at recognizing the hurt that my own suffering had caused to the people that I loved, that I had been so trapped in my own head that I was missing the love and the support and the tenderness and the kindness that were constantly right in front of me. And so the next time I went to sit to do my meditation after I had gotten off the phone, it was like the first time in months, literally, uh, that I found space and silence in my own mind. And I can't express with words what a profound relief that moment was. And what a profound shift in every single fearful per perception I had had over the last few months happened instantaneously because all of a sudden with space, my mind and body were not creating fear and anxiety anymore. And I think I've talked before on the podcast about the fact that when we slow down, when we become still and quiet, that at least in my own experience, what's always there is love. And so it was such a unexpected and strange and yet totally familiar experience on this third day of sitting to finally get quiet and still and discover that that place inside of me that is unconditioned and unchanging was still there. You know, it's, it's that voice inside of us that no matter how hard our life is, no matter how much we're hurting, has kept us moving and pushing for better things, reaching for more love. It's gotten us through every single difficult moment we've ever experienced in our lives. And whether we see it and feel it in these really profound moments or we don't see it and feel it at all, it's still there. It's still the thing that's driving us to be happier, healthier, safer, more peaceful, more at ease, more filled with and surrounded by love. Even when we're unskillful, as I definitely was over those few months, at making our way toward all of those things. So... I think one of the big things that I want to offer here to all of you is the thing that I took away from this week of retreat in contrast to the months of anxiety, fear, depression, and suffering is that my loves, the outer circumstances of my life did not change. I might cry as I talk, so forgive me. Um, but I left home here in Atlanta to go to the monastery full of hurt, of sadness, of fear, of uncertainty, of a sense of scarcity, of not enoughness. And I came home full of love and trust and excitement for what was here and what was coming, for with curiosity, 
with playfulness, with a lightness, a being, a gentleness, a tenderness, all of these things didn't even just arrive. They were waiting for me in a way to get out of my own way, to not feel like I knew everything and I knew how everything was going to go and trying to control the outcome of all of my circumstances but to actually soften the stories in my head and become present to what was real and what was in front of me. And it was a crazy, powerful experience to recognize how much my whole life had become consumed by my head. You know, I've been practicing meditation again for about the last 10 years, and there's absolutely a reality to the fact that I think my life feels most fulfilling and I feel most content in the times when my mind is quiet enough in so many moments that I can feel the love and the tenderness beneath anything that's a, it's sitting in front of me. You know, whether it's just standing in my house and feeling the wood floors underneath my feet or the smell of bleach because my le wife loves to clean so much um, to bigger moments like concerts and shows and hearing new songs that the people I love produce um, to getting hugs and being close and being surrounded by really incredible people honestly um, you know to the more subtle things like the color and textures in the sky um, the smells in the air the feeling of the wind on your skin and I think what I had forgotten to remember in those months of being so consumed with fear was that I really have to be quiet in order to feel and connect to any of those things. And while moments of that still existed, I really had become confused and blind to how, how loud my mind was. Um, stepping away and being in meditation for that week uh, was a palpable and tangible connection and reminder to what's real. And what's real is alive so much more in the body than it is in the head. Um, so essentially, my loves, I wanted to share this with you um, as a request for forgiveness for being gone for so long as well as a real honest look at the fact that even when we've been practicing for 10 years, uh, even when all of our heart's intentions are set to goodness and love, we're still sometimes going to forget. We're still going to make mistakes. We're still going to be unskillful. Um, and these last few months are a really powerful reflection of my own humanity for me. And I hope a permission for you if you find yourself in an experience that just feels really overwhelming and hard. Um, I want to encourage that I knew long before I took the steps to go to the monastery that I needed to, that I was struggling, that I was not doing well, and that I needed help. And it for me even, was hard to ask for that help and to accept that I needed it. So if you're listening to this episode and you find yourself in any moment in your life in that sense where there's a quiet voice that says, I need help, please, please reach out. 
please get the help you need. It doesn't have to be a meditation retreat. It doesn't have to be medication. Maybe it's uh, a weekend away at a cabin with or without friends. Maybe it's a trip to the beach or the mountains. Um, but stepping away from the constant bombardment of the things that are hard to handle is definitely something that I recommend. And remembering as much as you can, I cannot stress this enough, that the stories we create about the experiences we are having in our life are not real and reality. And when those stories create our suffering, when they are perpetuating our fears and our anxieties and our uncertainties, especially about our own worth and value, they are not worth trusting. If you can find an access point to dropping out of the story in your head, to slowing down and to coming back into contact with your actual life in front of you. Feel it, smell it, taste it, hear it, see it. I promise you the way you feel about your experiences will be different as I have experienced for myself. I'm so very happy to be back with all of you. If you have questions about mental health, if you have questions about the difference between stories in your head, and the experiences of actually being alive. Anything that comes up from hearing my story, please feel free to reach out. I'm always here in support of you. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time.